0: Everybody. Good to see you today. Um, good to see some people back in town, and it's good to uh, see everybody um, doing well today. Uh, for those of you I don't know yet, uh, my name is Roland. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's am um, looking forward to getting to know you if I don't yet. And um, for those of you who are uh, joining us for the uh, first time, welcome. just wanted to uh, say that if uh, you did not uh, catch the air and water show yesterday and you're not from here, uh, don't be alarmed. This isn't an invasion. Uh, we, we are not under attack. Uh, it is just entertainment and uh, you can go and catch it, you know, until three o'clock later today uh, near the lakefront. So we had a good time yesterday and uh, if you um, are looking for people to go with, um, there are plenty of people here who I'm sure would like to sit out there and bake in the sun um, with you and there is shade out there as well. So. Um, It's just a good time. So welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, Second City Church. Um, Guys, I wanted to uh, say a couple of things real quick before we get started. As we know, many of us who have been here, we've been doing a summer of missions, which includes a series uh, that we're going to finish with today. Um, A couple weeks ago, we had our um, person, um, one of our people come, one of our couples, who as a church, we um, helped to support as missionaries to France, and hope you were blessed by that uh, ministry. Um, One of the things about it, though, is is that not only do we help support them in France, but we also can not only give to them, but also go. And uh, one of the things they wanted to communicate is that if there is anybody who's feeling adventurous, anybody who has got a little margin in your schedule or time, Uh, there are actually internships that are available over in France, in Marseille, for a three-month period of time uh, where you can go to their ministry site, which is Paragon Ministries. Um, paragonministries.com and you can sign up there for that and be a part of the outreach there in France. Um, so we have uh, actually just heard this past week that the good news is is not only are they continuing the work in Marseille, but we have another couple who actually, through prayer, decided to move over to Paris to help with our uh, church plant there. So we're getting more support uh, just in France as a whole. So if you'd like to continue to um, participate with that, you know, please do so, paragonministries.com. Um, and then number two, we also had the privilege of meeting uh, with, we tried to support uh, ministries all over the world. And so um, with that, uh, that's European outreach, but we also have Middle Eastern outreach. We also have Middle Eastern outreach going on, and we were able to get an update from some of our ministers who are ministering in Afghanistan right now. And uh, with that in mind, they were able to provide uh, just an update um, as to the school, Um, that is built. And if anybody wants to get an update, like some of the information that's all that's going on, they're providing um, schooling for uh, families across the board. Uh, They have children of members of parliament coming right now um, to the school, meaning Afghan parliament, as well as children who are in need of scholarships. So it's the whole gamut, you know, that they're being able to educate there and teach biblical principles. They actually just uh, gave us an update that there was a bombing. Another uh, bombing that just took place in uh, Kabul uh, not too long ago this past week, and uh, thank God their students weren't affected, but many of the family friends of theirs were affected, and they're ministering in the midst of that. And what they're doing is uh, they actually were able to lead yet another one of their um, teachers to the Lord, and she's excited in the um, midst of the ministry to the Muslim community to reach others. You know, they have to do it discreetly, they have to do it with wisdom, um, but they are doing it in an ongoing fashion. So please continue to pray for them. And if, again, you want an update, this will be on the uh, table, the hospitality table in the back for you. Just a good way to take it, pray, know what's going on. Okay? So let's go ahead and uh, pray, and then we'll jump into the Word today. God, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us. We thank you for um, this summer that you've given us, that, God, you've helped us to go deeper and wider in you. And, God, we thank you that even as we get ready to prepare for this fall semester, as people are finishing their um, vacationing and their traveling and all that's going on, that, God, you have great plans and kingdom purposes here in this city. And God, we're asking you that you would raise us up, strengthen us by your word, strengthen us in the faith and give us prophetic vision and a holy calling for all that you're going to have us do as a people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so... Today, what we're doing is we're once again finishing the Macedonian call. And if you've not been with us yet, what we've been doing is we've been going through the letter, Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. Whenever Paul was actually going in his missionary journeys, he was going to the world, to the pagan world that did not yet know Jesus, did not yet know the gospel, and was coming with a great responsibility, a stewardship from the Lord to share the good news. Now, we studied por- a portion of that in Acts, wherever, we, um, wherever Paul Paul was going from place to place, and he came to a region called Macedonia. And Thessalonica was one of the cities in Macedonia that Paul was preaching to. And so though he only had three weeks there uh, before persecution drove him out of the city, there was a church left behind. And there was a group of people who were wondering how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ in an eternal perspective, eternal purposes, once they've responded to the gospel in the midst of their city and their place. And so we can, extrapolate many principles of how to live in the midst of a culture that does not necessarily honor or know the Lord uh, yet. The majority of our city does not, though they've been exposed. And we've seen many churches on multiple corners throughout the city, right? Many of those uh, church buildings or edifices are being converted. There was another one along our street, actually, that just got turned, though it was going strong for years, just got turned into a dance studio, right? Because of the decline of the spiritual vitality in the church community there. And so we're believing to see God turn the tide, right? We're believing to see that the gospel of God would actually increase, that just as in the book of Acts, his name and his word would grow in power in our place, right? That we wouldn't have the uh, things that were previously dedicated to the worship of God being dedicated just to ordinary or secular things, but they would once again be consecrated for worship, right? And so to do so, we've got to get God's eternal perspective, that it's not just a Macedonian call that we have to the nations, right? But there is a mission field right in front of us today. Chicago itself is a mission field, and we have literally the nations in our, like on our front doorstep. We literally have the nations. You know I, mean? I love walking around our city, right, and actually walking, you know, um, in our neighborhoods and being on our buses or being on our trains. Does anybody ever pull out Rosetta Stone on the train? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. It's sort of like you hear all the languages. You hear all the perspectives. You hear all the nations already gathered around us and talking. And it's a great privilege that we have. But if we're going to treat it as a mission field, if we're going to approach the city in which we live as a harvest field for God, we've got to have two perspectives. And this is what Paul closes with in the uh, letter of Thessalonians. So if you have a um, Bible today, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And what we're talking about... (coughs) today is how he will make his return, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, that puts it in context for us, how he will make his return, and then number two, how we should live in between now and then how Jesus Christ will make his return, and then in this, essentially how we should live in between now and then because he's going to come in the way that he prescribes. So yet last week, not yesterday, but last week we were talking about the fact that Jesus is coming for a people who are living for his pleasure living for his pleasure. But Paul picks it up here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and talks about the manner in which he will come, how Jesus will come when he makes his return. And this is what we need to be concerned with. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. And all Chicago said amen, all right? But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So here you have a context where Paul's already instructing the believers, and he said, here is the apex, or here's the climax of your faith, that it's not just that you are saved in a moment, which is good news in and of itself. It's not just that you are set free from sin. It's not just that you are adopted into the family of God and given the privilege of being called sons and daughters of God, which is great in and of itself. But the good news is, is that inevitably Jesus is going to make a return and Jesus is going to make a return and restore all broken things and all the things that were fallen in this world, he's going to deal with, right? All the things that caused sin or that were a part of the repercussions of sin in the world, all the pain and the distress and all the things that we ex- ourselves have experienced or perpetuated because of sin in our lifetime, Jesus, when he makes a return, he's coming to make all things new, right? And for those who are coming to, um, who are waiting for him, it's good news. We're welcoming him with a great celebration, even as we talked about last week, right? We'll be caught up in the air with him to actually welcome our ruling and reigning king and make a place for him back in in the new heaven and the new earth that he's coming to bring. The home of righteousness, right? Where he'll wipe away every tear from our eye and all mourning and crying and things that cause pain. He said, I'm going to wipe away because I'm going to make all things new. That's the good news of the gospel, right? But the question is not what he's going to do, but how he's going to do it. And if we're going to live properly in, as a people who are ready for his return, we've got to be in a ready position if we're going to receive him in his pleasure, in his coming, right? So if any of you have ever played basketball or gone to a basketball camp, what is one of the first things that they tell you to do? Come on, Chris Ross. He's like, what is one of the first things that they tell you to do whenever you're going to basketball camp? Get in what? If you're playing defense, get in your ready position, right? You gotta get down, bend your knees, and be ready because the offense is coming, right? How many people have ever been on a basketball court before, even recreationally, right, and had your ankles broken? You know what I'm talking about, okay? It's sort of like you get your ankles broken because there's some, like, you know, young buck, you know what I mean, who just, like, doesn't even shoot. They just, like, dribble, like, for an hour and a half, you know what I mean, showing all their moves, you know what I mean, and then eventually they make the move, and they're like a quick crossover, right? And if you are not ready, you're embarrassed on your behind, right? You're embarrassed on your face and talking about, wait... <clears throat> yeah, you know, I was just trying to give somebody else an opportunity to play some defense, right? <laughs> sort of like, because, because you weren't ready. You weren't in the ready position, right? You had to know that there was going to be a crossover. Maybe, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just appeal to your ego. Maybe you've done that to others, okay? <laughs> All right, and so the point is, is, that Jesus is saying, get in the ready position. Why? Because ultimately, when I make my return, I'm coming back like a thief in the night, a thief in the night. In the midst of the uh, Roman Empire, whenever they were talking, when Paul was talking to the uh, Romans, what he was saying is that, listen, what they were promising in their time, if, if you remember your history classes and history lessons, remember the Pax Romana? Anybody remember at least that terminology? Okay, that's fine. All right, so it was like the Roman peace and security, right? It was the Roman peace and security that were being offered as they were going and conquering the unknown territories, you know, within the Roman Empire. What they had was a great slogan that they were introducing to people. They said, let us be your ruler. Let us be your conqueror. Let us be the one who rules over you in your everyday experience. And what will provide for you is peace and security, right? And so what Paul's saying here is that even while people are promising you peace and security, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to make his return. And the thing about it is that's no different today, right? We don't live under the rule of the Roman Empire, but we're being promised things that offer us peace and security in our lifetime. And those are the things that people pursue on a daily and a weekly basis, are they not? It's what people live for. They're looking for peace and security in their jobs. They're looking for peace and security in their relationships, whether it be Plutonic or Romantic, right? They're looking for peace and security where they live and how they live, right? How many people have actually heard, I was talking to somebody earlier this week about a new documentary that's coming out about this generation called Generation Wealth. Anybody heard of that before? Okay, where back in the day, people used to try to keep up with the Joneses, right? To have a sense of peace and security. But now they're trying to keep up with the Kardashians, right? And so the thing about it is like they're looking online and saying, wow, what adventure did this person have? What, you know, new experience or what trip did they take? Or what new, you know, concert, what thing did they get to do that's providing them happiness? I need me some of that, right? Right? That's how people live, constantly looking for a sense of peace and security, not knowing that the very things that they're chasing are these things that are temporary, the things that provide ultimately, if you're building your life on it, instability. Because in a moment, they can be taken, right? In a moment, somebody can have the finances that they were building their lives on stripped from them because they're having to take care of a family member or a friend who's sick and ill in health, and they don't have long. Term care, and then the bit wealth they built up for themselves is gone in a moment, right? Or they can lose a job through downsizing. They can do all the, They can lose a relationship, right? Building their world around a spouse who they thought would give them peace and security and identity in life, and then all of a sudden, there's an unfaithful spouse, and then that relationship is gone. Or the kids, eventually, yes, they do grow up. As great as they are, they do grow up and eventually they're gone, right? They're gone, and then you have to find out what is my identity now? What, where am I putting my hope? Where am I putting my security? And all of these things that are offered to people as peace and security, he's saying people are building their lives on these things, but I'm coming in the midst of that, and it's a distraction. It is ultimately a distraction because what God has called us to do is, yes, be responsible at work, yes, take care of your family, yes, be diligent in the things that have been entrusted to you, but ultimately, according to Paul, he said to set your mind not on earthly things but on heavenly things, where Christ is, number one, seated at the right hand of God. And not only is he seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning now, but he's also going to make a return from that throne. And he's going to make a return in the times when people are distracted, in a time when people have been building idols to other things rather than eternal things, when people have been giving themselves over to momentary pleasures, which many times includes all types of sin, right? All types of idolatries, all types of, as we were talking about last week, unsanctified living, right? And then they're saying, I'm tired of waiting. And in this moment, I need a little break for me, right? I need to experience life a little bit. How many people have ever heard somebody before, even a family member or a friend say, hey, listen, I know God's important, but I'll get around to him one day. I'll get around to him one day, right? I'll settle down eventually. I'll settle down eventually, and you know, I'll, whenever I have kids, right, that's what usually people talk about, whenever I'm responsible for somebody other than myself, right, then yeah, it's important that they go to church and all that good stuff, so when, when that happens, then I'll actually take Jesus seriously, and he's saying, no, in that moment, in that moment when they're declaring peace and safety, he's going to come like a thief in the night and sudden destruction, will come on those who've been living opposed to him. And it's like labor pains coming upon a woman. I remember those moments four times now with B. I was like, it was peace and safety. I was just rubbing her belly, and then all of a sudden, ah! I was like, oh. (laughs) Because labor pains came, and we weren't ready, right? We're like, and I got frantic, and you know, we made it to the hospital. My kids are here. But the point is, is that like, listen, it was sudden. It was unexpected. And he's saying, don't live like them. Don't live like them. He's saying, you are not like everybody else. Don't live in a manner that's unaware. Don't live in a manner as if you're not in your ready stance, prepared for the judgment of the Lord that's coming. Live a consecrated life to him. Because he's saying, I'm coming with judgment. And everybody is going to have to give an account for the life that they're living. What have you done with your time? What have you done with your resources? What have you done with your talents? Were they consecrated to me or were they consumed in selfish living? And he says, I'm coming like a thief in the night. And even if we're part of the people who have fallen asleep, which means died before his coming, he said, you might be of the people who are not ready because he comes for your life when you're not expecting him. That's just as true. How many of you have ever had a family member or a friend who you say has passed away before their time? People use that terminology all the time, right? They're gone before their time. Well, actually, they're not. They're not. In God's sovereignty, in God's economy, He comes at just the right time. But He says ahead of time, be ready. Be ready. Because if, you're, if I'm coming for you, whether you're awake or asleep, I'm coming to judge, and I want you to be found in my pleasure. And the good news is, is that we're not, as a church, people who are destined for wrath. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the gospel? That you don't have to be afraid. You do have to walk in the fear of the Lord, right? Which is an honorable respect for the Lord. He said, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge." But I'm looking forward to His coming. I'm shouting out, "Maranatha!" Right? Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, come quickly. Why? Because He's my dad, and I'm looking on. He's well. Jesus, my big brother, and the Father, right, is my dad. And I'm looking forward to his return. Why? Because I'm building my life around him. I'm not looking forward to wrath. Why? Because Jesus a cop, settled all of that on the cross. He said, on the cross, I took all the punishment, the sin, all of the destruction that was otherwise yours because of your rebellion. He said, I took it on myself. And three days later, because of my innocence, I was raised from the dead to give forgiveness of sins and new life to anyone who would build their lives around me. That's the good news, right? And so even though he's coming like a thief in the night, it's going to be a good surprise for the believer, for the one who's building their life around him, for the one who's making him a priority as he had said we should. It's almost like a surprise party. Anybody like ever gone to a surprise party thrown for you? Anybody hate those? Sort of like, I can't believe you did that. Oh, hey, everybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> Try to talk to the loved one. I'm going to talk to you about this later. Good to see you. Thank you. <laughs> you know? But it's not like that with Jesus. When we're building our lives around him, it's like, my goodness, God, look, will come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. But he says he's coming when we don't expect him. And you've got to live in a ready position. In between now and then, he also gives us instructions of what it should look like when we live that way. Paul picked it up in verse 12. He said this, We ask you, brothers, (coughs) excuse me. He said, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Thank God for our community group leaders, right? Thank God for Pastor Cole. Thank God for all of our leaders within the church at large, right? We should honor them, respect them, right? Say thank you. I thank my pastor regularly. He just texted me, like my pastor just texted me this morning, talking about praying for you, believing for you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he didn't have to do that. Thank you, right? He says, be at peace among yourselves. Right? Don't don't like worry about the peace and security that is gonna ultimately be stripped one day. But he says. Be at peace in your relationship among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. Admonish the idol. Now, in sort of their eschatology, he had to admonish the people of God in the Thessalonian church here because they were so heavenly-minded that they had become no earthly good. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay? Become so heavenly-minded you become no earthly good. They were so concerned about the Lord Jesus and his coming that they didn't take care of their everyday practical concerns, right? They didn't want to work. They didn't want to get a job. So they're like, that's all right. Jesus is coming. Okay. Well, until he comes, you better work. Right? Until Jesus comes, you have some bills to pay, right? Until Jesus comes, you have some children to raise. Until Jesus comes, be responsible, is what he says. So he said, admonish the idol. And he says, if you're going to be salt and light in the earth, bring his kingdom. And in every place that you set your feet, let the reflection of the kingdom be presented through your life. You are an atmosphere creator and changer. You know the commands and the ways of God, bring them to the workplace. Don't be idle while you're waiting for his return, but actually he says, occupy until I come. Take ground until I come. Advance until I come, right? We should be diligent people as the people of God, not lazy. Not lazy just thinking about, well, one day he's going to be here, so you know, doesn't matter what I do today. Yes, it does matter what you do today. It does matter what you do today. Matthew 25, Luke 19, the parable of the talents and the minas. He talks about what he entrusts to us. And he says, I'm putting it on deposit with you. And when I come back, I want whatever I've entrusted to you for my kingdom back with interest. I want you to grow it. I want you to increase it. I want you to multiply it. So whatever I've entrusted to you, multiply it for my glory. Occupy until I come. Don't be idle, even though you know and are looking forward to my coming, is what Jesus is inspiring Paul to say. He says, encourage the idle, admonish them rather. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That means not just the brothers and sisters in here. That's where it starts, right? But to everybody. That means people who get on your nerves. That means people in the workplace who you don't want to see tomorrow. That means everybody, right? The people who are cutting you off in traffic. You put that hand down, okay? Unless you're waving and blessing them, right? Turn it around, right? Just turn it around. Bless you. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, okay? (laughs) bless you. <laughs> all five fingers. Okay, and so you feel like you'd be good to everybody. And he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That's a good admonition, right? Are we not to be in the house of prayer for all the nations? He says that is your identity. If you're looking for an identity, that's one. Child of God, house of prayer for all the nations. So what should my life be defined by? That I belong to the king and that I'm crying out for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done in Chicago as it is in heaven. In the earth as it is in heaven, right? How often should I pray? Do I pray enough? Well, here's your answer. It says pray without ceasing. That's our barometer, right? That's our litmus test. If I'm, if I'm asking the question, am I in the face of God enough? What's the answer? Well, no, not no in the condemnation way. Oh, you stink. You know what I mean? But no, no, keep going, right? Stay in his face. Seek the Lord always, right? Stay in the presence of God. And then he says, give thanks. If you do this, you can give thanks, right? Because to give thanks, you need some perspective. Do you not? The circumstances of life try to discourage us, try to depress us, try to get us down. But he says, if you're in the face of God continually, you get an eternal, a bird's eye view, right? You're not caught up in the moment. You're not caught up. If you could interpret your present circumstances with the end in mind, knowing that God's promises of salvation are sure and true, and that everything else is temporary then that means I can actually look at my present circumstances with joy. I can look at my present circumstances as not my lot in life to be, do- to be sort of handled and borne up under forever. Because eventually he says I'm the God of seasons and seasons change. And ultimately I want you to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Woo. Oh, I hate that verse. No, I'm I'm, going to be honest right now. Does anybody like sometimes say, I wish that were not true? Give thanks in all circumstances. Because it's easy to applaud the Lord when things are going well, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you. You don't kick up, right? (laughs) For who you are. (laughs) But what about when things are challenging? He says, Give thanks then, too. Give thanks when things are challenging, too. Why? Because the challenging circumstances are also his will for you in Christ Jesus. The trials are also his will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh Uh-oh. Say what? Oh, yes. The things that take faith are also his will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, let me explain that does that mean that he wants you to stay in that place forever? Okay, say what you want to say. No. The answer is no. It does not mean that that present circumstance is where he will have you stay forever, but you better believe he's going to use it to build you. You better you, you believe he's going to use it to conform and shape you into his image. You better believe that he's going to use it to give you an unshakable faith and trust in him as you go through, right? So knowing that he's doing something in you in the midst of even challenging circumstances, you say, God, I'm not asking you just to remove the trial from me. I'm asking you for wisdom of how to go through it so that I might actually learn the lessons that you want to deposit in me so that on the other side, I might be more like you so that at your return, I might be further prepared to rule and reign with you. He's saying, give thanks for him in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You thank him and you pray until things change. But in the midst of it, you don't get bitter. You know why a lot of Christians like who started off strong fall away? They just get bitter by life circumstances. Is that not true? Has anyone seen that before? When things are easy, it's like, okay, going hard, Right? Going hard. God's got my all. When things get challenging, it's like, mm, I guess God's not who I thought he was. I'm out. I'm going to go to the other things that might provide me peace and security. Peace and security. And God's like, no, 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 no. All of it's me. Stay in the pocket. Pray continually without ceasing. And I'll change the circumstances when I complete the work that I want to do in you. Right? Okay. Then he says, do not quench the spirit. (laughs) Do not quench the spirit. Talking about the movement, the present day movement of the Holy Spirit. Right? God is alive. God is amongst us. Right? And he says, I don't just rule and reign in heaven, but here's the beauty of it. As the church, I've given you a gift. I've given you the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God the Father, the Son are on the throne. And he said the Holy Spirit comes to live in the believer. And he comes to be upon the believer in power. And he comes to heal and open blind eyes and do miracles. Jesus said the very things that you've seen me doing, you will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He says so believe for these things and don't quench the Holy Spirit. Believe that I'm a God of miracles prior to my return. Right? I haven't become a different God in the midst of my departure. I'm still the same God and I've left you a gift that what, I want to move in the same way I've always moved. I want to actually empower my people and bless my people in the same way I always have. Don't quench the spirit and do not, how about this, despise prophecies. Meaning God's speaking today. God is the one who's the good shepherd of his people. Right? And he says, my sheep, if they're always in my face, will do what? Know my voice, that I'll walk with them. That if you're a sheep and he's the good shepherd, you should expect that God the Father is going to, by the Holy Spirit, speak to you. And not only speak to you as one of his children, but what are prophecies? Prophecies are somebody speaking on behalf of God, confirming that which is he speaking to you. Calling out that what she's trying to do, he says, "Don't despise those things. He's given it as a gift to strengthen you, encourage you, comfort you." He said, "You need this." Anybody ever get a gift before from your parents, and you were like, "What is this?" Come on, now you know what I'm talking about. You're like, uh, "Thanks," and you're like, "Why did you give this to me?" It's not what I asked for. Not what you ever heard me talk about. Why is this now in some pretty wrapping? And they're saying, because you don't know it yet, but you need it. You need it. You know what my parents gave me for a while? Every anniversary, they gave me a Costco membership. Oh, yes. And I was like, thanks? You know, I, I did not know at the time when it was just B and I, that when we had one babies, two babies, three babies, and four babies, that we would in fact need Costco. <laughs> right? And it was a gift. Everything is in bulk size now in my house because we're trying to feed a tribe. And so the thing about it is that they gave me a gift that I was unaware that I needed. And so if I despised it, I would have put it away. But you know what? If I had lost that Costco card, they would not let me in. Anybody been to Costco? Yeah, they're right there with that clicker. And I try to walk in all casually before talking about not even making eye contact. And they're like, excuse me, excuse me, card. (laughs) And I was like, all right. (laughs) And I brought it out. And I thank God for the gift that they gave me because it's actually helping to provide for my family now, right? Same with the gifts of God. You might not think that you need them, but he's like, I know better than you, I know better than you, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. I'm giving you that what you need to be built up into me and to come into all the purposes that I have for you. He says, but in the midst of it, test everything. Hold fast to what's good. Meaning just because somebody says, thus says the Lord, doesn't mean it's the Lord. Hello? That's some wacky stuff spoken over me sometimes. And I'm like, I'm going to open my Bible real quick because that just sounded off. And I'm going to let you uh, sit right there while I just check this, right? And if it was unbiblical, guess what I did? I kicked it to the curb and said, you better not come back because I'll go all Old Testament on you. <laughs> Got a stone in my... I'm just playing. All right, but the point is, <laughs> okay, the point is, but as I tested things, right, more often than not, especially from seasoned ministers... They're the very things that are coming to pass today, and I go back to those words and stand on them in the midst of trials and difficulties today. Why? Because God's given his eternal written word, but then he's also spoken prophetic words over the years. And there's some of the things that I see even coming out of my children today that were spoken over them when they were babies. Can't look at a baby and say, oh, you're going to do this, you know what I mean? Unless God himself gives you some insight. And I'm like, wow, look at that now. That was when you were a baby. And it helps me to steer and raise and cultivate them, right? Because God himself knows. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I speak from the beginning what's yet to come. Isaiah, right? And he says it's to encourage you for this fight of faith so that while you're waiting for my return, you have the goods. You have the encouragement that you need to walk with me, run with me, Produce fruit in keeping with my word, right? Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. And then he goes on, verse 22. And he says, abstain from every evil. Every form of evil. I like that word form in the Greek because it actually meant the, even the appearance of evil. Woo-hoo! Even the appearance of evil. Even the appearance of evil. So it means that, hey, listen, you, you ever like, come on now, try to talk yourself into something when it was pretty questionable? Come on, please be honest with me. I'm up here being honest with you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, trying to talk yourself into something questionable. It's like, oh, it's not that bad. Okay, if you have to say that, you probably have already crossed the line. <laughs> okay? You probably already crossed the line. And here's the thing when it's a stumbling block to somebody around you, it matters the appearance of evil. It's not just about what's for your benefit. It's what's for others, right? I won't do certain things just for the sake of my kids, right? I won't do certain things just for the sake of those who I'm surrounded by, not because of my freedom in Christ, but because I'm trying to build up, not destroy others' faith. And so he says, avoid even the appearance of evil. That's how you should live in response to his coming, And then he says, as you do this, now may the God of peace himself, relationship, right? Relationship, not just somebody preaching at you, not just you going through something um, with other people, but may God himself (laughs) sanctify you, set you apart, not partially, but what's that big word there? Completely. Completely. May he sanctify you, set you apart completely. So is there any area of your life that's not yet set apart to him? Then guess what? God's not done. He wants it all, baby. He wants it all, right? When you get married, let me tell you what you're going to want. You're going to want it all. Isn't that right, married people? You don't want part of them. You want a 350-day lover? You You want it all. 365 days of fidelity and commitment. Amen? Amen. Okay, listen. That is true, and it is what we will repeat to you over and over again. Sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless, right? Blameless. He's working in you. Sanctifying you, setting you apart. He who calls you is faithful, He will surely do it. Stay in his face. He's faithful. He'll do it. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful because he can't deny himself. He says stay in his face and he will do it. He will accomplish his purpose for you. He will. Just stay in the pocket. So brothers, pray for us and greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Okay, of course that's cultural. Nobody can walk around here. You Listen. Okay. But be at peace with one another. (laughs) peace with one another. That's what the holy kiss represented, right? Be at peace with one another. Let there be no beef or let let there be no animosity between you. Reaffirm it. Reaffirm it every time you leave each other's presence. And as you do so, whether he comes like a thief in the night or not, you're going to be ready. Why? Because you'll be in your stance. And as you're in your stance, when he comes, you can actually just go further down, right? Further down where it's just like Jesus. I've been waiting for you. Glory, glory, hallelujah. The Lamb of God has come to reign. But you know what? I'm happy he's here because he's already been reigning. He's already been ruling in my heart. And I'm happy to receive him as king. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Well, with that in mind, what we're going to do is we're going to go back into a time of worship, and then we're going to have communion, recognizing the access that we have to the Father through Jesus and his great sacrifice on the cross, and then we'll finish with a great hallelujah to the Lord. Amen? All right, you can get on up.